We're the Inspire Podcast. We're dedicated to bringing you the latest research in medicine, dentistry, veterinary medicine, and everything in between from both students and academics in a language everyone can understand. If you want to get in touch, please email us at inspirejournalpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Inspire Journal Podcast to stay up to date. Visit the journal's website at www.inspirestudentjournal.co.uk to access original research and articles from students or find out about how you can get more involved. We've been on a bit of a hiatus lately. Uh, most of us have had exams, so it's been quite difficult for us to get episodes out of the same quality, I guess, and with all of the guests that we usually like having our episodes put out with. So we apologise for that. But our exams are almost over, so we're almost back to the same standard of episode that you have, I'm sure, grown to love about the Inspire podcast. For today, though, (laughs) we thought that it would be useful, especially since we're getting into the, the almost application season over the summer, and students will be thinking about writing personal statements and getting their extracurriculars in order to talk about our paths into medicine and, in Ellie's case, veterinary science. Just to add a bit of context to, to, to tell you a bit more about who we are, where we've come from, and maybe give you a couple ideas and, dare I say, even inspiration to help guide your applications through to university. How has everybody's exam periods been? I know, Ellie, it's been your final exams. How have they gone? Yeah, it has been. Yeah, it's been... Um, it was actually horrible. I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I'm really glad it's all over. Um, but, you know, there's just been a sort of five-week sort of stretch of revision. And it's just nice to wake up in the morning now and think, what shall I do today? Rather than thinking, oh, I'm already late and I need to start revising. Uh, so it's nice to be finished fingers crossed. Results are in another three weeks, so I suppose I won't know if I've actually finished until um, results day, but fingers crossed. And it should be, theoretically, my last set of exams before qualifying, so that's very exciting. So that's so, fun. When I do mean, you guys I finish? Have, most of my major exams are finished now. Um, uh, I have a couple of deadlines, like, you know, the smaller ones, um, for the next month, but I, have, I still have, like, a month-long block of, like, placements left. So I'm still at uni, you know, that kind of, that routine hasn't gone away, but it is, I think, the stress and the adrenaline that leads up to exam kind of period, exam season, I'm drained now, like the energy has just gone gone out of me and I'm just like, okay, I need to keep going, but it's tougher. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've had enough now, I'm bored, (laughs) I just don't um, want it anymore. Sorry, Um, I have some nice um, placements planned. Uh, like not planned, uh, scheduled, I suppose. Uh, so some really, really interesting ones. So I think that should be hopefully enough motivation. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Mine finish on the 11th, but my exams aren't overall that stressful, really, because they're just, they're online at the moment. And I, I feel like not having to go to an exam hall takes away quite a lot of the stress mm-hmm. that you normally would feel for the exams. And mostly being open book as well, there's not that same anxiety of have I revised enough? You know that you're going to have access to your notes. Some of it's quite hard, especially doing like chemistry and things like that. Again, 
I haven't done that stuff since GCSE yeah. really, but it's not too. I can't pretend that it's a particularly bad. And also, most of this, <laughs> most of my marks are based on coursework anyway. So I'm just looking forward to exactly. I'm just I'm just looking forward to being done and being able to relax at the end of my year and and have some have some months off to focus on adult things like learning to drive and yeah. all that fun stuff we had um online proctored exams so they were still closed book yeah, but they were all recorded through the laptop and through the screen and it made me really freak out because i was doing the room scan thinking gosh i hope i haven't left anything lying around or there's like a piece of paper on the side and what if that looks suspicious um so that was quite stressful but I do I do wish uh, yeah that would have we had open book exams last year when COVID started um I know but do you think like not having an exam hall kind of takes it away from an exam kind of setting like I don't know I I'm probably not a lot of people would agree with me but I enjoyed going to an exam hall because that kind of set me in that mindset whereas at home it's harder to I think focus on that I don't know not a lot of people yeah I I do agree I think it was quite hard I went into a separate room and sort of had a study that was my designated exam room so I didn't revise in it or anything I revised elsewhere and then came into the study afterwards which was nice trying to keep it separate but again also, it was weird just finishing my exam and going into the kitchen and having a cup of tea and like not not being yeah. able to talk to anyone and be like, how did you find it? And oh, yeah. I hate talking about exams anyway afterwards. I'm one of those people that will literally just walk away from the exam hall, won't look up any of the answers and just pretend it didn't, <laughs> didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a bit weird getting yeah, into no, the I mindset. I, don't know. Start. I think I got used to it by the end of the year, but the first couple one, I was like, oh, this is this is a bit strange. Like, I'm, I'm at home. This is... Um. <laughs> I yeah, think I'm going to have to strongly disagree with you guys that I don't... Exams as a concept, I disagree with, I think. And uh, for me, I, I take the opposite. I don't like going to an exam hall. I don't like the stress of being in an exam hall. I don't think it does anything good for, for anybody. And it, I also don't think it really reproduces realistic environments where you're going to have to actually use that knowledge in real life. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's a necessary evil that we all have to do and that we've all done to get to where we are now. So I think it's yeah. perfect time for us well to move on to to hearing the origin stories of Ellie, Natasha and Sam. I <laughs> <laughs> like you referring to yourself yeah. in the third person. <laughs> who, wants to, who wants to kick us I off? I like it. I mean, I don't mind going first if you'd like me to. I can do that. I have a slightly different experience uh, from other because, like I, from those who don't know, I'm from Ireland, so um, Republic of Ireland's in Cork. So I, when I applied to England, it was quite, it was actually quite a similar process because I was counted as a UK student or a home student, um, just because of like different um, kind of policies and st- stuff they had. But for me, when I was applying to England. Um, it's quite a tough process because in Ireland the education system is set up differently. So when you're applying to university, you don't have like you don't have personal statements, interviews, um, like choosing top five. It's a completely different system. It's based solely on your grades and the points you get, and then you get a certain course based on that. Um, so when I applied to England, it was quite tough initially. But anyway, I did, and I'm here, so that's cool. <laughs> um, so. 
actually, when I first applied, I got offers from three universities, which I was very happy with. Um, and then, unfortunately, um, as so happened, I was off by one grade. Um, and the university that I'd picked, I'd picked Plymouth initially as well. And um, they, you know, they couldn't make any wiggle room and I didn't get a place. So I had to make the tough decision of going for a backup offer or going, because I biomed um, from King's and I had like offers in Ireland as well, um, or going for trying for medicine again. And I said to myself um, that I wanted to try for medicine one last time. And I think in my head, um, it was kind of that I just I had to persevere and I was just like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to give my one last shot. And if it doesn't work out, then maybe medicine isn't for me. But I think I wouldn't have been happy with myself if I hadn't given, that, given myself that shot. So in Ireland, unfortunately, again, they can't, you can't repeat just one subject. Because I know here, like te- speaking to people here, you can just repeat the one subject that kind of let you down um, at the end. Uh, but... I had to repeat all my subjects. I had to repeat all eight of my subjects in Ireland, which was uh, not a fun year. It was it was grueling. Nah. It was tough. Um, but I got there, and I think you know, obviously, given for the second time, you have an extra year to study subjects. Um, I did really, really well. Really, really proud of myself for the, the for that grade that I ended up getting in all my subjects. I overall, I did really, really well. And um, back in Plymouth, Plymouth this time did not reject me. <laughs> they welcomed me. And I was here. Yeah. So, yeah there were loads of ups and downs. Uh, it was a really, really tough decision um, going back to school. Like, I went to a different... Like, obviously, um, I didn't go back to my school school, the one that I was with earlier. I went to a different institution that kind of um, was set up for, like, repeat students and things. So they're a bit more study-focused, exam-focused kind of a thing. Um, but that's what I needed. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, it worked, but it was really tough, especially because like all you know, you, all your friends are talking about first year and freshers and their university experiences, and then you're just like, well, I'm I'm starting to leave some subjects again, like it's it's sad. It's t- yeah, <laughs> that's such an inspirational story though. Like you got there and didn't get there the first time round and stuck with it, and then managed to, especially the differences again that highlights between yeah. Ireland and England and the different. Um, ways that you have to re- you had to repeat all the subjects Yay, I thought, oh. yeah, thank you. but you got there <laughs> well done did you have to do quite a lot of work experience to get into medicine like what was the sort of extracurricular um, requirement for Plymouth did you have to I don't know repeat your work experience I mean, no or I what, think like, like you build a portfolio isn't it when you're applying for medicine it's kind of like you do extra bits and stuff and um I think like my dad right um he was very clear with me that he wanted me to make sure that I wanted to do medicine and I think um i medicine has a lot of kind of glamour associated with it oftentimes and it's not all rainbows and ponies and it, it it's, it's tough work it's intense and it's hard to get into and it's hard to sustain yourself and things like that so I think work experience is key I feel like you kind of need to do it regardless like to try and it's not it shouldn't be just tick box for what yeah. the university ex, ex, um, expect from you I feel like if you don't see how your work life balance is going to be and what your life is going to be like before you enter a career I think that it's not it's not very smart <laughs> um so yeah I don't have to repeat um like any of my work experience stuff I did do extra work experience in the year because I was like I had another year so might as well kind of figure things out so I did yeah. um, more volunteer work during that year I did more work experience like in hospitals and things um yeah a bit of extra cur- curriculars 
but yeah it was kind of just finding a little bit more and just kind of it reinforced the fact that I definitely didn't want to do medicine and I think yeah did they have um requirements of how much work experience you have to do um for the unis if that makes sense do you have is, is it or is it just sort of oh get as much as you can see whether you like it get different a variety of different things and you show that you have demonstrated the sort of drive to go and get this work experience and that's <clears> enough or do they say you know oh, you no, need to have no, 20 weeks think, work experience I don't anyway I don't I don't think so I don't know about uh, all the other universities because obviously I looked at the requirements of other universities and ended up picking um in detail but I think most universities and I do because I've helped people with interviews and things it's not about the quantity of work experience you get it's the quality and it's what you gain from it they're not really interested that oh you did a training work work experience placement if you stood around doing absolutely nothing and did not engage with people in that training week um, block you really haven't learned anything from it have you it's more about you could spend you know a week and gain so much like if you engage with the right people actually ask the right questions try and do get as involved as possible then you can come away with a lot and that's what they want you to speak about in interviews they don't care that you've done 20 weeks or a week i think it's more about i learned this i will it highlighted the work-life balance the stress and the jobs i'll have to do but i also saw i don't know the positive experiences like interaction with patients like that i found really beneficial to me and that's something i'd like to do and so on and so forth. So I think I see work experience as that more than quantity. I don't know if Sam, you agree with me or not? Yeah, definitely. Um, I th- I think one thing that I want to ask because you know it's it's a difficult situation after that initial rejection. I would think to stay motivated. Like like how did you keep yourself motivated through that additional year where you had to retake those exams and. How how did that experience help you realize that medicine was really what you wanted to do? Oh, yeah. No, it was, I'm not going to say it was all easy. I'm like, I'm this perfect person <laughs> who got motivated and like, I loved medicine and that was it. Like, I'm not going to lie and say that. I think there were definitely points where I questioned myself, especially those initial couple of days where you're going into a new environment. I have no, like, I know no one around me. You feel like everyone's looking at you. Uh, you feel like the society is judging you. Like, how could you not get medicine the first time around? Like, what's wrong with you? Kind of, kind of mindset. And I was definitely afraid. Uh, but I think you, you kind of. It was more like the end goal for me. I was like, I want to become a doctor, and this is my chance to do it. And if I don't utilize it to the maximum benefit, then that's where I go wrong. Like, I think if. I would not forgive myself if I didn't put my all in. And that's how I stayed motivated. Is more about the end goal. And to me, I mean, I don't think I wouldn't have gone into my backup course to go into medicine after, personally. Um, just because I think that's a, it's a fantastic um, career path as well. Like, you know, everyone gets to medicine. I think you'll realize through our conversation later on, everyone gets to medicine at the end like wherever they want to be through different parts it's not just a one track road um but i personally don't think i could have gone through a different degree then did grad meds medicine after because that would have prolonged them for years and i already know that medicine is really really long um training um so i personally couldn't have gone through that so i probably and yeah i don't know so i think it was more more like i'd kind of seen it as it's my last chance i'm going to give my all and then i'll see where it goes from there so 
a lot of people don't get into medicine first time though uh, from the people that I have spoken to a lot of people do take a lot like we've just said a lot of different routes so there's not just one route into any of these sort of health science degrees I don't think it is all very it's just remembering that I think because when you get that knock it's horrible you're you're like oh no I've yeah but inspiration (laughs) so Natasha what would you say is your top tip for anybody thinking about either as an undergrad or even later in life uh your top tip for them getting into the medical profession or thinking about going into medical study at this point um I think definitely have like speak to people in the profession um because I think from what a lot like med I think medicine has a kind of image associated around it and it's really important for you to know what you're getting yourself into um it's it's a fantastic career it's really rewarding but you really have to love it and really have to be interested in it to stick it stick it out that long and to be motivated to do those extra things to apply to like get the work experience and things like that like it is tough every yeah so I think one would be I think my top tip would be just speaking to the people in that profession trying to get some more experience um and then yeah just being just wanting to do it I think if you want to do it you'll find means and ways to um apply and get in and um yeah don't be don't don't think that you're not gonna be clever enough to do it I think that's another thing I've learned (laughs) you'll yeah you're fine (laughs) I think um veterinary uh, getting into veterinary um school is quite a different journey i think to going into medicine because there just aren't as many um vet schools as medical schools there's only seven although i think there's talk of building a new one in scotland um which would be fun so that's like a new one um but yeah so i wasn't one of those people that i know um a lot of people grow up and they've always wanted to be a vet and since they were little and they had their first dog they always wanted to be a vet and that was what they wanted to do I was never that person I think I did when I was very young and then I sort of grew out of it and I um not grew out of it that's the wrong uh, way of saying because I'm now going to be a qualified vet um but yeah more um I wanted to do different things I wanted to be a lawyer for a long time so really focused on um doing as much yeah really looking into that and then I wanted to be a doctor for a very very long time so when I applied to sixth form that was what I wanted to do I wanted to be a doctor um I was going in with the I'm going to do medicine and that was my focus I changed um sixth form to do the IB instead of A levels um which is the international baccalaureate in case anyone listening didn't know what that is so I did a range of subjects that again was a bit different to A levels um but it did give me the variety and the flexibility to study other things so again that sort of kept my doors open and then I started doing a bit of work experience like we were just talking about which is why I asked and then I decided I wanted to be a vet because I I went lambing I did a lamb a couple of weeks on a lambing farm um, and I just loved it like working with the little lambs and um, it was very fast paced very stressful it's definitely not an easy job um, I don't know if anyone's, any of you guys have been lambing before, maybe you have. Um, but yeah, it was quite stressful and I really enjoyed that, um, 
emergency sort of work and then I started looking into okay how am I going to get into veterinary school um so I bought some of those books you know that say how are you going to get into veterinary school and things like that um and a lot of them said about work experience which is why I asked you Natasha and a lot of the universities well all of the universities you have to have a set amount of work work experience um it's a set number of weeks you have to have done at least eight weeks of work experience before you can apply some of them wanted more I think places like Liverpool wanted 10 weeks if I, if um if my memory at the time I think it was 10 weeks and I think some places even wanted about 20 weeks of work experience like it really depended on where you applied so I sort of thought okay well I've got to start getting this work experience and I volunteered at a vet surgery again spoke to a lot of different people about being a vet I did placements with horses, um, farm animals and companion animals. Because obviously, I know when you sort of picture your conventional vet, you think of the person um, who you take your dog to for their annual vaccination. And But obviously, we sort of forget about um, farm animal side of things, production animal side of things, lab animals, abattoirs, all of this, they all require vets, even government work, um, that sort of thing. So I really tried to get a, a sort of range of work experience. Then I thought about where to apply and... I don't know if it's the same for medicine. I think it is. You have to apply for something that's not well, medicine, don't you? Yeah, backup. You don't have to. So, it generally, yeah. no, exactly. You can't apply yeah. to five medical schools. Um, yeah, exactly. Five medical schools. So you have to apply uh, apply for something yeah. that's a bit different. So I did that, which gave me a bit more choice of unis. Um, so I ended up applying to, yeah, four different veterinary schools, which, again, are all, they were all different because I think with just the layout of the courses and things, same with everything, I just, we just didn't have enough choice. I knew I didn't really want to go to Scotland, so I thought, well, that rules out two of them. Um, then I just sort of applied to, <laughs> applied to the rest. Um, I got into Bristol, which I was really pleased about. Um, and yeah, they were a place that sort of required that I had eight weeks of work experience. Then we had the interviews and things. Um, and yeah, I'm really pleased that I went to Bristol. Um, I picked a place that would allow me to intercalate, because I, I, I knew that I wanted to intercalate from early on I thought that's definitely something I want to do so I definitely recommend looking into the course in detail and really thinking about it because I think with these health science um, vocational degrees again it doesn't really matter the name of the university you go to it doesn't matter if you don't go to Oxbridge or wherever because at the end of the day you're going to be a doctor or you're going to be a vet and you're going to have those day one skills so making sure that you have a course that's going to prepare you for for day one and you have those day one competencies and maybe getting a course that's as practical and hands-on as possible I'd say um is definitely something worth doing also accreditation I don't know if it's the same with medical schools again but a lot of the vet schools have different accreditations so they're obviously all UK accredited um but some of them have American accreditation and things like that so Bristol has just got its American accreditation and the RVC I think is the other one that has American accreditation um so those were two that I thought oh okay well I'll apply to those two because I wanted to be accredited to work in America I, th I think you still do have to do the NAVLE um again but it just means you don't have to you skip out a load of other exams you can just I'm qualified to work in America once I've taken the NAVLE um kind of thing so yeah that's that's why that was sort of my journey um intercalating you had to apply separately I don't know if anyone was interested in intercalating and I didn't get onto intercalating first time around I was rejected I was absolutely devastated <laughs> I was like no this is the whole reason I came to Bristol I wanted to intercalate and they said no sorry you can't do it um so I 
they they offered me anatomy instead of global wildlife health and conservation um but i knew i wanted to do global wildlife health and conservation i was like i want to be a zoo vet i'm really interested in all these exotics so this is what i wanted to learn um so i wrote a lot of emails and went to see a lot of people and was told no a lot of times until one person said we've actually just as you've sent this email this was months later after my rejection so I was sort of coming to terms with the fact that okay I'm not going to intercalate but I can still do a master's after the degree you know it's fine there are other options um and someone said no we've got a space that's opened up do you want to come for an interview and I said yeah okay I'll go went straight for an interview that afternoon and she said because honestly because you've come to see us and you've shown that you like clearly really want to do it because a lot of people applied to intercalate and then didn't they just did it because they could rather than they actually actually actively wanted to. Um, so I think someone had, as a result, dropped out. And then she said, yeah, you can have the place. So um, <clears throat> perseverance, everybody, <laughs> gets you lots of places. And I ended up like doing really well on my intercalated course. And I'm still doing my research now. That's what really got me into research. And um, yeah, won some intercalation prizes. And just, yeah, it's quite nice having that having not gotten in the first place you can still do well oh, that's a, that's um, a really that's a good yeah, so. lesson for anybody to learn it's really true that that saying fortune favors the brave is so true uh good things happen to people who who go out of their way to seek them i think and i'm sure we can all think of of, of situations where all sometimes all you have to do is ask just step out and ask and Things happen when you ask them to happen. Rarely will something just fall in your lap. But if you just put yourself out there, like put your neck out there and ask, you'd you'd be surprised how many things you can make happen just by doing that. So I think... A hundred percent. Like they had literally closed the applications and everything. And um, I got mine, yeah, two, three months later after everyone had, you know, signed the paperwork. These are the people that are on the course just by asking and sending an email. So Mm. I would always do that. Like things like rejection, like I think that's more common than people think it is because like when it happens to you, you're like, oh my God, I'm the only person that this has happened to. What's wrong with me? Da, da, da. But then when you hear of other people's stories, I think everyone will, has I already faced rejection or will face rejection. And it's how you react in those situations, I think matters the most because you would like, it's, I, I think you have to be a really, really lucky person for things to work out as you want them to, in the order you want them to, at the time you want them to, like, straight away. Um, I feel like you will come across, like, difficulties. And like like you said, like, you persevered. Like, you went for it and you were like, I want to do this and I'm going to try and make this happen the best I can. And all you can do is try, right? It's not like, if you don't try, um, what's the phrase? There is a phrase around that, isn't it? Like, if you don't try, then nothing will happen. But it's sounds sounds well, it's like, sounds much better than what I said. Yeah, there is, there is. <laughs> well, that's what it means. I always say you you miss 100% of the chances you never take. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's yeah. one of them. Yeah, it's I very, think that might be the one. So, yeah, I was... You can't be in the race no, if you don't exactly. buy a ticket. I was going to ask Ellie, what... For somebody who may be thinking about getting into veterinary science because I don't think there's that much information out there about it with medicine everybody studies medicine it seems nowadays but with veterinary science it's really hard to find information on it so what if you had to give somebody advice on how to pick between veterinary science and maybe medicine or another 
healthcare degree or dentistry? What what would you say to that person? What do you think some of the maybe litmus tests are for whether you should do medicine or not? I was told, would you rather stick your finger up a person's bum or a cow's bum? And I know that's really horrible. And I was like, definitely cow. Um, but no, 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 I'm joking. Like, um, obviously, they both come with their own um, merits and and difficulty I guess with veterinary the thing that really drew me to it rather than medicine was um from more of an academic perspective I suppose and a practical perspective that you get to learn about so much so many many more species I loved the variety of anatomy and physiology and everything that we get to learn and how to apply that and then also being an animal's advocate because obviously they can't tell you when they're sick and it's you know I, I I liked that side of things but I would say for people who are undecided definitely get work experience because as Natasha was saying you don't know if you really love something and want to do something until you've tried it and veterinary is again one of those very demanding degrees you have to have done in the same way that you must do like medical placements the weeks of even pre-clinical husbandry placements the number of weeks I've spent on a dairy farm milking cows and shoveling mucking out horses and it's just lambing and going on farms and I don't want to be a farm but that's not something that I'm particularly interested in but you have to that all comes with the degree so you have to be very very prepared that it's going to be horrible if you're not one to get muddy (laughs) Um, you've, you've got to do it all so I think the only way to really know is to try it and try and get that's I suppose that's why they ask for so much experience when you apply it's not just because uh they're being difficult and they want you to not get in and they want to show that you're not committed it's genuinely because you'll want to know whether you can hack 16 hour days on lambing for a month you know um or whether you're that's something you enjoy or whether it's something you don't enjoy and if you don't then that's fine go do something else you know so just I'd say getting a variety of work experience would be my advice I just had a comment to make quickly (laughs) I was just gonna say um what highlight like when you were applying for like your degrees it kind of reminded me of me and my kind of process of applying as well and you had to like really research like for example you wanted intercalation <clears throat> right so that was a part of your like yeah. uh criteria to like this is why i'm applying to this skill i think that's another i think thing that you should always consider when you apply for medicine or any i think um any app- oh, university course or yeah looking at like really like looking at the options as well yeah. because i think different universities though medicine like you have i think we don't have different accredi- accreditations because all like you're accredited by the GMC because it's the General Medical Council in England. Um, but it's like you okay. still come out with the same degree. It doesn't really matter which university you go to because you do end up coming out with an undergrad med degree. Um, but it's more about the how the course is set up. So, like, if it's, like, PBL-based, if it's yeah, not PBL-based, is there uh, dissections happening? Is there no dissections happening? Those all matter, and it depends on what suits you. I think after discussion, I'm I'm quite interested to know more about like how to apply to veterinary. And I think our listeners who are interested in vet, uh, veterinary school or going into veterinary medicine uh, would really appreciate any kind of top tip or top advice you had about looking at veterinary medicine as a career choice, or if they have already decided that, or, like applying for veterinary medicine. Like any any suggestions, any advice you may have. Yeah, definitely. I would 100% say 
work experience and get as much as you can in a variety of places but also don't stress that you don't have the 21 weeks required by xyz just get as much as you can um and go from there as to whether you enjoy it or not because that will really give you a good taster um and then as we've said um also looking into detail at each of the courses and figuring out which one is actually right for you um and each university is right for you if you want to work in america go somewhere that's got american accreditation that kind of thing or if you want to intercalate focus on getting into those two classes and um yeah i'd say work experience and doing your research on the individual programs brilliant um so do you want to do you want to share your experience there sam um and then yeah, so <clears throat> I had quite a journey into medicine, shall we say. Certainly not the conventional the conventional route, but then beyond the standard, I applied to medical school because my parents are both doctors and I did it for undergrad and I got in first time round. There isn't really, I feel, a conventional route into medicine. So I never wanted to be a doctor, quite frankly. When I was at school, we had a medical society and I quite enjoyed turning up to that and hearing the talks from doctors, uh, things like that. And it, it was really interesting to me. But I don't know, it just never really occurred to me that I wanted to do medicine, quite frankly. It just didn't seem like a job I was particularly interested in. And I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. But at the time of applying to university, I had my eyes set on on forensic, uh, forensic science or crime scene investigation, something like that. So... I changed my mind quite a lot of times when I was applying to university the first time round, but I eventually, after arriving at university, I, I landed on on psychology uh, at Cambridge. So I did my undergrad degree at Cambridge doing psychology, and I did really enjoy it. And by the end of my degree, I was thinking to myself, actually, I wanted to do clinical psychology. And I think it was one of those things where Everybody has a bit of an existential crisis when they get to the end of their undergraduate degree, probably even postgraduate degrees as well, where you you realise that soon you're going to be out in the world and you need to think about what it is that you're going to go and do. And so I had that that internal discussion with myself and I talked about it with my director of studies and my tutor and things like that. And I landed on clinical psychology as what I wanted to do. So I I left Cambridge with a perfectly good degree. Absolutely loved my time there. Obviously, very, very difficult environment to study in. Uh, very intense. But I, I loved every second of it because I loved my course. And I applied to a bunch of PhD programs in the US because I decided being half American, having lots of family in America, I would quite like to go and see a different country. Uh, I would quite like to go and and, and learn, medicine, uh, learn clinical psychology, sorry, in the US. So I applied to a bunch of PhD programs because generally if you want to become a clinical psychologist, you need a master's degree and then a PhD as well. So I applied and I had to take the GRE and a bunch of fun American standardized tests and I didn't get in to any of them. And I think up until that point, we were talking about rejection before, but I I don't want to sound, make myself sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet too much, but I'd never really hit a wall in my entire life up until that point. Everything that I had ever applied for and that I had ever done, I had got into and I had 
done and I'd succeeded at. And I wasn't used to failure really at anything. So for me, it sort of, it was like running into a wall and, and not just in a bad way, in a good way as well. And then it made me stop and it made me think, what am I, do, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to do clinical psychology? And the answer was no, I, I definitely didn't. I think I realized to myself that, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't what I want to do. Maybe something else will spark my interest. And so I sort of gave up on that, that thought of doing clinical psychology. So I went back to a dinner at Cambridge, um, uh, a scholar's dinner, because I won a little award when I graduated. And I went back both for that and also to watch a rowing event because I was, I was very big. Uh, on rowing at my college in Cambridge. And I went to speak to one of my professors who was always very, very helpful uh, and I got along really well with. And we just had a bit of a chat and I just thought, I kind of just want to talk this through. I've been rejected from these clinical psychology programs. I want to just have a chat and just bounce these ideas off somebody else about what's next. And I had like a really good discussion with him and he, go he gave me some ideas of what else I can do with psychology, where else I can go, maybe research, things like that. But I remember it clear as day that I was about to leave his office. And you know how you just sometimes chat with somebody in the doorway when you're about to leave a room. And he just mentioned to me, well, you know, I think something you may really enjoy is medicine. And I kind of laughed a little bit. I was, I thought to myself, I can't do medicine. I did Latin, ancient Greek and politics, for my A-levels. How on earth would I be able to do medicine? And he mentioned to me that you can take an A-level, you can take A-levels again. You know, you can do another A-level, you can self-study. And it just, there and then it just sparked this idea in my head. I remember I went straight off from there and went to talk to some of my friends who were still at Cambridge. And it was all I could talk about was me like medicine. I never thought about that. And it was as if this puzzle kind of came together that I think for a long time I had wanted to do medicine. I just hadn't put those pieces together and realized it. So from then on, it was really that one moment as if a, a, sw a switch just flicked in my brain. And that was a hundred percent what I was, what I was motivated to. So I went and I looked for the volunteering experience. I looked for the medical shadowing experience. I got a job in research as well at the University of Oxford, again, aided by my undergraduate degree. And I just went at it at a hundred miles an hour. It was quite late though in the admission cycle. So I kind of had to take a UCAT with three weeks notice went from not not thinking I was going to do medicine ever to sitting in UCAT within a month was quite an experience. And I, I went through the application process. I thought I would have to end up taking a chemistry A-level, but I knew that I would have to take another year out if that was going to be the case. So I decided I'm just going to apply to schools this year round, ones that don't require the chemistry A-level, and see what happens. And I was, and I think this is important, I was adamant that I did not want to go to Oxbridge again. And I think it is really to do with the course. I've done, I've done Oxbridge before. Uh, I, I studied at Cambridge and I've worked at Oxford and I feel like it's an incredible place to study and an incredible place to pursue your academic interests. But quite frankly, I didn't want a heavily academic medical degree. I wanted a practical hands-on I, I was I was 20, 21, 22 at the time, and I felt like 
I really just wanted to be doing stuff practical. And that's why Cardiff really struck me. That First of all, they didn't require, well, they had a preliminary year course, but we'll get onto that in a sec. So I, I applied to a bunch of places, part, some of them graduate entry, some of them non-graduate entry, just normal undergrad. And my top choice was always Cardiff for the place that I wanted to go because it was near the sea. And I knew that there was very strong em- emphasis on CBL and PBL uh, and anatomy as well and dissection. So for me, it was really like my dream course. And I, I wasn't trapped in that Oxbridge mindset, so it was fine. For anybody who doesn't know what those things are, PBL, patient-based learning, and CBL, case-based learning, are just more hands-on practical ways of going about learning the content. Again, every medical school, you learn the same content. It's just how they teach that content that differs. Is it going to be from a textbook or is it going to be from a patient? And I just prefer the patient side things. So Cardiff was my top choice. And I applied not quite on a whim, but thinking that I would probably have to take another year out and sit at chemistry level. And when I got my offers back, Cardiff said, we, we want you, but we need you to do a preliminary year instead because I just didn't have the right A-levels. And I could have taken another year out and applied to more schools and done the chemistry A-level and had more options. But quite frankly, in my mind, I had been against all the odds, in my opinion. I had been offered a place to study medicine and I was reeling at this point when I got my offer. And I it gives me like goosebumps just thinking about it again. And the thought... I, I had this place and all I had to do was go and do this preliminary year. It would have cost me a lot of money to take the chemistry level anyway at that point. So to me, I got, I'd be given a place at my, my ideal university to study medicine. And I, yes, I had to do a preliminary year, but that really wasn't the end of the world. And so I decided I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I'm just finishing my preliminary year now. Quite frankly, I'm very glad that I did it because I found it fascinating. Um, just getting like a bit more of a broad introduction to su- like science in general. Like I've obviously done science before, but it's just been really great having that breadth of even doing like chemistry and things like that again, that may not be directly relevant to me as a doctor, but they're things that I, as somebody who just enjoys learning, I found really, really interesting. So I'm, I'm really glad that I ended up doing a preliminary year. And another thing, I'm really glad that I didn't do graduate entry medicine. And I know that graduate entry medicine is appealing because it's quick. But quite frankly, it's not that much more quick than doing um, undergrad medicine. It's only one year less. And it's very full on. And you don't really get time, I think, to absorb the information or do other things around the university. And at the end of the day, getting a medical degree is great, but you still need to have other stuff to put on your application as well. And I just felt that I would be able to do more research and get involved in student things much more doing undergraduate medicine than I would be able to do graduate entry medicine. So that's my twisty and windy road into into medicine. And it's been great. And I'm sure it will continue being great. Yeah. That's so interesting that you chose, yeah, your advice about uh, not doing graduate entry and choosing to do undergraduate entry instead, because I know that's probably something a lot of people um, toy with, whether they apply. It's the same with veterinary. You could do graduate entry veterinary or you can do 
undergraduate veterinary and you are right it's just the difference of a year and I suppose it would just be so much more fast-paced um I was going to ask about funding how 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 does that like what would be your advice for someone wanting to do graduate entry medicine or undergraduate entry medicine but as a postgrad um yeah that makes sense <laughs> um funding wise because do you still get a student so you loan still for, get, that, for doing undergrad you still work? get a maintenance loan the truth is that funding is an issue and there's no there's no denying that but i think that it's actually more feasible unless you have family help which i don't so i have to pay it my own way if you have family help then graduate entry may be a little bit easier. The issue with graduate entry is that, that, yes, you are given government funding, but it's not actually enough to cover everything. So with graduate entry, yes, you get more money from the government. So you do get your tuition covered and you get a small maintenance loan. But that maintenance loan realistically is not enough to cover the cost of living. And on graduate entry, you don't have enough time to work. So you won't have enough time to make an income on the side. With undergraduate, you don't get as much funding from the government. But on the other hand, you do have enough time to be doing another job. So I am part time employed. Um, I do quite a few things. Uh, so I'm obviously in the Army Reserve. I work as well. And I've worked with the NHS through the vaccine period. So you do have time to do those things to support yourself. And that was really important to me as well. As somebody who doesn't have parental financial support, I would not have been able to do graduate entry medicine. And I only realize that now. And I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I didn't go down that route because I need to work to support my study. And I would not have been able to do that with Jen. Good. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I was just going to say, did you have to do, so you say you did a bit of work experience in your sort of year between um, the two. Was that, what What sort of things did you do? What would you advise to people who are doing graduate entry? Like what sort of, um, what volunteering experiences are, are worth doing and what yeah, aren't so worth doing? One of the great things about applying to medicine as a graduate is that you have access to shadowing opportunities that people pre- university don't so for example i was able to shadow in theater which was amazing and really i really want to be a surgeon but that kind of that confirmed it for me that, that i love the look of surgery but again because i was over 18 i was able to do that and the other thing that was really valuable was because i had an undergraduate degree yes specifically in psychology but i got this it was really a volunteering position but it was kind of like a job as well at uh, the John Radcliffe Hospital in Oxford working in, in Parkinson's disease research and things like that. I, I would not have been able to get that position had it not been for my undergraduate degree. So I know you're asking about work experience and I did the standard work experience. I, I did the, the shadowing doctors. Yes, I got some better opportunities than other people through personal connections I built up in that hospital. But also, I think that having had that undergraduate degree, I was able to get opportunities that other people would not have been able to get. And I think that goes on to a really important point where sometimes people, I think, assume that because I've done another degree, I must regret it. Or do I do I regret not having gone into medicine the first time round? And quite frankly, I don't. And I think 
I would never have gone into medicine had it not been for the journey that I did end up taking. I wouldn't have done any of the things that I'm doing now, probably including this podcast, had it not been for the route that I took. So it's it's always a big, I did a careers talk the other day and I said exactly the same thing, that I don't, I don't regret a single thing at all about what I studied before or the route that I've taken into medicine. It would have saved me time doing it the first way round. But at the same time, I would not have approached medicine with the same maturity that I have now. I wouldn't have approached study with the same maturity that I have now. For example, I know how to study. I know how to structure my life. I know how to structure my time. And I feel like in a way, my undergrad was a dress rehearsal for the big thing, for the, for the main show. And the main show for me now is medicine. And I feel like I'm able to tackle it just so much better having had that previous experience. So had all the standard work experience really but in terms of kind of supplying the question i guess there just because you're going into medicine late doesn't mean that you need to regret what you've done before and like i said i loved psychology and i loved studying it and i loved learning all the things that i learned and it will always help me in my future but it just turned out that that was not that was not what my path was i i like i completely agree I think I understand that I mean I definitely had to consider doing a graduate entry medicine um, when I didn't get in the first time I was like do I want to go into a different course and then consider medicine as a graduate entry because that was definitely a thing that I had to think about but I think I would have gone into personally obviously it doesn't apply to everyone personally I would have gone into an undergrad degree a second undergrad degree for the wrong reasons you went into psychology because you're genuinely interested in psychology and like this is really interesting to me I really want to learn about this I think if you go into I don't know everyone has different choices I suppose personally I felt that if I'd gone into a degree with the sole purpose that this is my only route into medicine I don't know if I would have learned to love that degree as much as I like that three years would have then I think that's when people start regretting their undergrad, I feel. Like, if it doesn't work out, and if you go in with it, go into something with the wrong purpose, I think I would have had to pick an undergrad that I genuinely found interesting. And at that point, the undergrads that I'd picked just didn't marry up. So I was like, might as well give another shot. But I think it's quite inspiring, like, your journey into medicine. I think it's quite, um, yeah, like, the mature aspects. Like, I know a couple of, like... Um, mature students my year and I think from day one they were a lot more equipped to handle the pressures with I was it was quite a steep learning curve I think I know Ellie if you felt the same thing and you and you probably did as well in your undergrad like the the culture shock that like of university the study pattern is completely different it's not as set up as um, school is it's a lot more self-directed the motivation to plan your life and like study and everything it took a while I mean I think I'm still learning um and then I had that like you'll you'll experience this later as well when you go from preclinical years to clinical years where placement it becomes placement heavy and it's more practical so squeezing learning in through that and around that that's another way of like arranging your life and things so I think uh yeah you probably were better equipped at dealing with that I think yeah what would be your sort of top tip then for someone wanting to go into medicine or graduate entry medicine either either one I think I don't I feel like I'm maybe not in the best position to give this advice even though I do truly believe it but 
in a way that it's never too late to get into medicine. And I don't think, I can't claim to have gotten into medicine particularly late because I didn't. I was only 21 when I decided that I wanted to do this. But I think even for people who are older, and I know people who are older who are considering getting into medicine, that there's really not a time that's too late and there's really no opportunity where it's it's never passed, really. And I thought that medicine was passed for me. And even though I was interested in it, and even though it was a job that I thought I could do that, eventually when I had the maturity to realise that, which I didn't think I wanted to do when I was younger, I thought my opportunity had gone. And actually, no, it hadn't. And just being told that all it took was just being told, you can do this, was enough to set me off like a bullet. And that was me gone. Honestly, it was, it was, I know people often say that I didn't decide, some did, don't, people don't make decisions overnight, but it frankly wasn't even overnight. It was one second, I wanted one thing, the next second, the entire outlook of my life had completely changed. And there are moments that people have in their lives where that happens, where one second or one tiny bit of information can completely change the path that your life is going to go down for the rest of your life, pretty much. And that was one of those moments. So I would say both, it's never too late, but also trust the process as well, that it's just as important. Again, don't regret things that you've done before, because ultimately they've they've got you to where you are now, whether that's mentally or psychologically or physically. Those are the reasons why you are where you are. And you will be able to look back on it someday and, and say to yourself, I frankly don't really regret that because it put me in the right state to actually approach the next thing. Even if you do end up going to, going to university, uh, like Natasha was saying, going to university and studying your fifth choice when you wanted to do medicine. Honestly, it may be through studying that, that fifth choice that you end up realizing to yourself, you know what? I don't want to do medicine. I want to do something else. And that's perfectly okay. But that is just how life works sometimes. And you just have to go with the flow sometimes and and put a certain amount of faith in the process that you will be able to figure it out eventually. Thank you so much. I think it's been really interesting to hear everybody's different experiences and realising that there is no one set path into medicine or veterinary or dentistry or or any degree or career path, really. Um, And just to reiterate those top tips, which were to talk to people within the medical profession, get as much and as wide a variety of work experience as you can, and that it is never too late um, to change your career path or to go into medicine or whatever career or decide you don't want to go into medicine, you know, it's never too late. Um, So yeah, it's been really good hearing everybody's different experiences. And if anyone is interested or has any more questions, then please do get in touch because I'm sure that all of us are more than happy to help or offer any of our advice, any advice that we can. So thank you again, everyone, for joining us for this episode, a little bit different episode of the Inspire podcast, but hopefully we'll be back to normal with you soon.
If you want to get in touch, please email us at inspirejournalpodcast at gmail.com or contact us through our social media. We've been Ellie, Sam, Natasha and Talima bringing you another episode of the Inspire Podcast. Please like or follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Inspire Journal Podcast and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify or any other podcasting platform. Don't forget to leave us a review so we can continue to bring you the content that you love. We really are passionate about research and we'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please share with your friends and on social media. The Inspire podcast is brought to you by the Inspire Student Journal. You can visit our journal website at www.inspirestudentjournal.co.uk to find out more. See you next time. We're students and we're all still learning, so we appreciate any comments, feedback or error corrections in relation to the topics discussed. All research presented is correct at the time of recording. Any medical information provided does not constitute official medical advice. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be experiencing. Views expressed in the Inspired Journal podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of the Inspired Student Journal or of the institutions we are attached to.